pivot. Who goes from being a butcher to a wedding entertainer to opening one of the largest Jewish toy store businesses in the world? Meet the great Reb Yonason Schwartz, a natural businessman who shared his business journey with us and the money lessons he's learned along the way. A phenomenal conversation. If you're listening on an audio platform and don't understand the bit of Hebrew or Yiddish, stop what you're doing, transition to our YouTube video where our awesome team subtitled a lot of the Hebrew and Yiddish into English subtitles. Enjoy this week's episode. Being a Jew, awesome. Managing personal finances, not so awesome. Welcome to Kosher Money. A returning champion, a guest. He's been here before, Rabianison Schwartz. Nice to be back. My brother said you shared things. I don't get to listen to all his episodes. I listened to a little bit, but I didn't want to spoil it. It really resonated. Tens of thousands of views, and I'm sure you got quite a few phone calls. I got a lot of phone calls and a lot, a lot of feedback about this episode in the Hasidic community, literature community, even in the modern community. A lot of phone calls from the five towns. Yeah. about uh, the subject of Shaduchim and tremendous feedback. So this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about business, about money. What was your upbringing like as it relates to money and finance? So I grew up in Meishonim, as I said to your brother last uh, episode. I grew up in Yerushalayim, Irak Kurdish. We lived in uh, Meishonim. My father, Sayin Gesund, lives in, still today, there. My father had a little tiny electric store, just light bulbs, phone wires, Shabbos platters, just making ends meet, as they say. So we weren't poor, but obviously not rich. Not rich, but me, my mother, and six children in a very small apartment. And we had food, as they say. You were happy. Yeah, happy, of course. So do you remember making your first dollar? Remember your first job? What was that like? First dollar I made is when I came into America, I came off the flight, I think I told her the last episode. As soon as I stepped out of the airplane, I found $20 in America. It was 35 years ago when I came to America the first time. I started working right away in America after I got married. I worked in a butcher shop, chopping meat and cutting chicken for the first few months. And then a few months later, I decided that I want to grow and I became a batchan. I started doing batchanas and chasanas. Making jokes at the end of a wedding. Making jokes at the end of a wedding or a rhyming. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I did. And was it good? Were you, were you successful? I was very, very successful at it. Made some money? I made panosa. You don't become rich from it, but yes. You pay the bills. So you're doing that and you were a butcher at the same time? No. As soon okay. as I dropped that, I left everything because Batchanis by Hasidim finishes very late. Yeah. In those days, we finished most of the weddings like... 3 o'clock in the morning, 3.30, 4 o'clock. So I wasn't going together with a day job, but I definitely paid way more. So, What do you learn in, in the butcher shop? I know people now talk about groceries, how much money things cost. So the butcher shop where I worked was a Kehillah butcher shop. It wasn't a butcher shop like today. In those days, probably even here, most of the supermarkets didn't even have meat and chicken. Most communities had fish stores, Meat stores, fruit stores, and then a supermarket. Right. And those days, only butcher stores had chicken. So basically, whatever you see in the supermarket today is what we did in the, in the, in the butcher shop. Yeah, I went to, I think it was Baltimore recently, and they have a butcher shop, just a dedicated butcher shop where you walk in, they're cutting the meat in front of you. It brings you back to the to the Alta High, maybe the Lower East Side. Correct. They still have it in Williamsburg and Bar Park. Yeah. Yes, but even in Williamsburg and Bar Park today, where they have these butcher shops, for example, in Monroe, New York, no supermarket can even sell meat. Meat. No. Why not? Because it's basically it's giving a stricter ashgacha uh-huh. when you have just a dedicated butcher shop, also in New Square, also in certain other communities where they have the supermarket does not have a meat. But uh, even this, the meat stores that you have today in those communities are far from what we had. Right. It wasn't clean and nice as today. Today it's a modern world and it's way, way nicer and fancy. Right. Okay, so now you're a batchen. You're, you're doing the rhymes as is custom at the end of 
Jewish weddings. You're making some money. Where did your career go from there? So about a couple of years later, I wanted to grow. So I started going in a little bit in the toy business. And my toy business today became, Baruch Hashem, a very big business. First of all, I have my own uh, five retail locations. I sell my toys also in every local Judaica shop, toy shop, supermarkets. Bingo, for example, has a big toy department. Bingo is coming right now to the five towns, right? right? So I'm going to set up the toy department I'm setting up for them. So basically, my toys became a big business today. Why did you, when you were a butcher, it sounds like you enjoyed it somewhat, but you left and became a badchen. You were singing, rhyming by weddings, and you said, you know what, I want to be bigger, and I go to the toy store. Where did that come from, that drive, that that interest? Because some people are butchers their entire lives. That is some correct. people perform at weddings their entire lives, and you know what, they make a good living, or maybe not. So the problem is that I realized after 10 years being in Batchanus, yes, I am very popular, but young generations always are coming in. So when I was very popular, Nubat Khanum came up. I was, a long period of time, probably the number one Batchan. And I realized after 10 years, I'm number three and number four. And I realized that in no time, I'm going to become number 15, number 16, and number 20. Let me try to do something else. Instead of complaining about it, just do something. And I did. So I was looking certain things. Obviously, Hasidim always looking at real estate, and I did some real estate. Didn't have my satisfaction. And I realized one thing that whatever I touched in the entertainment business worked for me. Mm. If it's Batchanas, if it's toys. For a long time, I did the magic shows and ventriloquism, all of this other stuff, and I was very successful at it. So anything that had to do with talking, singing, entertainment, I was successful. So I decided. Why did you pick toys? What was that first day like? Where did we? Actually, my wife is the one who picked it. My wife is the one who, who decided to... What'd she say? She thought just it's a good business. And, and what, you, you called someone up in the toy industry? Had you break No, we had, we had a... There was a store in Borough Park called Whispers and Whimsies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. Remember the name? Yeah. I forgot even the name of the owner. They, they're both not alive anymore. They sold a store. They had a little store on 18th Avenue, and I bought it. I bought it. And changed the name, and now it's... Changed, changed the name to Toys to Discover. Oh. Toys to discover. And yes. you have retail locations now? I have right now five retail locations. I have Williamsburg, Biopark, Flatbush, Lakewood. I have two. And actually, we just signed a lease in Monroe. And hope to go in other locations as well. How many employees across? Oh, I don't even know. I guess you're not the one doing payroll, I'm right? not doing payroll, no. But it's definitely about 50 plus. Wow. So, so what did you learn along the way? Tell us something about the, uh, the business. People are listening. They, they want to maybe get into business, right? So the Gemara tells us, very simple, there's not a single profession that you're going to take, that there's not rich people there, and there's not poor people there. I travel a lot to the Far East, to China, Hong Kong. It's mind-boggling to see when you go in China to the big shows and you see buildings and buildings from Selling zippers, selling shoelaces, selling uh, paper clips. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the business? Yes, that's what they do. They do all kinds of sizes, paper clips. They do all kinds of color paper clips, but paper clips is their business. They're very big companies. Mm-hmm. And I visited factories myself, humongous factories, tremendous factories, huge, with thousands of employees. That's what they do paper clips or, 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 or thumbtacks or zippers. I remember I was uh, once in a factory that does this part from this keychain. Just this the part. circle part of Just the, the circle part. Unbelievable. Huge factory. Right. So there is everything. There is, you could have success in everything. The idea is very simple. And I always tell it to people. Those who don't try work for those who do. And it's not my quote. It's a very famous quote. You got to take gambles in life. And hopefully, do the right thing. Be smart. Don't be stupid. Don't, don't, don't jump in and grow slowly. I grew very slowly. Didn't grow in one day to five stores. I didn't grow to retail and to wholesale in one day. 
took me time, borrowed money, paid back, built a credit, which is very important in America and in every state, in every country to, to have a good credit line. And once I built a credit, it was easier to get a credit line. Once you have a credit line, you could order more, buy more. And yeah. People think that when they see someone who so-called made it big, that it happened overnight. You're saying that the people that have sustained success long-term, they could have grown in baby steps, right? There are some people who grew fast, overnight as they say. Very, very few. I'm not going to say that there aren't, doesn't exist. It exists, definitely. But baby steps is the safe way to do it. You have to understand that I always say to people when I speak, there are so many people who are rich with a lot, a lot of money. And the statement that I say about them are that unfortunately these people are so poor that the only thing that they have in life is money. Mm. Besides money, they have nothing. And they're big in money. But if you're happy and you grow slowly, and every step on the way, you say, thank God. Thank you, Hashem. I made it another step. I made it another step. Wow, let me try another step now. It's safe. They have much more happiness in life than the people who are just jumping in one day. Growing up, they teach you, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you can be an accountant. But we only realize as adults that you can have a very profitable business making keychains or just parts of the keychain. And you see that on Amazon, right? Do you know people in the <laughs> Amazon space? First of all, I used to be very big on Amazon myself. Uh -huh. I sold a lot of money on Amazon. Uh, 10 years ago, more, I probably sold 20 million on Amazon a year. Mm -hmm. I have a friend that uh, is selling way over 100 million every year. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of friends on Amazon. Chassidish guys. There are and, a lot of Hasidim in Amazon. Oh, Amazon is very big with Hasidim. Very, very big. There was once a couple of years ago that Amazon made a weekend, mm -hmm. a weekend getaway for the top 200 sellers. And they had to cancel it because it came out on Shabbos. And the programs that they made with speeches and, and, they, and they realized that over 90% of the top 200 sellers were Hasidim <laughs> <laughs> from Park, Williamsburg, New Square, Monroe, Muncie. And uh, today Amazon is different. Right. I sold my Amazon account a nice few years ago. Amazon became very, very difficult. Very, very difficult to make business on Amazon. It's very competitive. But those who could survive are doing very well. So the question is, if you could survive or you can't survive. In the Hasidic community, what, what industries are people going into now and finding success? You name it, they try it. Wow. Except, obviously, what you mentioned before, doctors, lawyers. More uh, where you need long schooling. Right? right, schooling. But everything. So to give you a specific, uh, an amazing statistic, and without mentioning names, there's a very famous person who is of the derg, and he goes around talking about that the education system is not right, and because of the education system is not right and in our community, that's why everybody doesn't have the opportunity to grow in life. And I remember there was once a conversation with him somewhere, and again, I don't want to mention where, but there was a live conversation. And one of his friends in yeshiva called him up and he said, listen, we are all in the age now, about 28 to 32. I learned together with you in yeshiva. You are claiming that you cannot make a living because you did not have the education. So you remember how many kids were in the class? And he said, yes, 28. You remember this and this boy, let's say Moishe Klein? He said, yes. You know what Moishe Klein does today? He's doing credit card processing. He makes over $800,000 a year. You remember this and this guy? And he went over with him. Every single kid in this class and everyone made in the nice few hundred thousand dollars a year and you're sitting and complaining. So the idea is, go out there. Hashem is big. The opportunity is big. It's all in the mindset. I could do it. Believe in yourself. Believe in Hashem. It's a tremendous, um, Rapsodika Cohen says in his Sefer, 
כשם שמצווה לאמן בקודש בורכי, כך מצווה לאמן בעצמוי. The same way as it's a mitzvah to have a moon in הקודש בורכי, the same as a mitzvah to believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe that you have powers. And if a person believes in himself, and he has the confidence in himself, he will go out there. He will make it. He will fall. He will pick himself up. Sheva yipal tzadik vikom. Fall seven times, you pick, up, you pick yourself up. And so many people, so many people that I know, that fell and fell and fell, they picked themselves up. Yes, a lot of people know. I'm not going to say that everyone is a success. But have the right attitude, and you do it with the right steps. You go baby steps. You do safe steps, slowly but surely. Most people will have the opportunity to make more than just a simple work. A quick break from this week's episode with a message from the Donors Fund. Perm is coming, a Jewish holiday where charity is top of mind. You're going to be giving out money to those who stretch their hands out no matter where they come from, but gone are the days where you have to hand out actual cash, crisp dollars, or carry a checkbook even. And by the way, with cash, I don't know if you know this, but you also lose out on your tax-deductible donation, but not with the Donors Fund. With the Donors Fund, you get these easy and simple custom checks, and every time you give, you're getting a tax-deductible donation. So I have these pre-printed custom checks. You can have denominations going from a dollar up to $1,800, all pre-printed, and no more fraud, right? Every time you give a regular checkout, it has your accounting number and your routing number. With the Donors Fund, you completely avoid that. And that is peace of mind. You can do something cool. You can even set a cap that any check over a certain amount, they have to verify with you before the money is released from your account. On Purim, people give, I think they say, 50 to 100 times more than a typical day, right? So if you go 50 to 100 days, you're giving out X amount of money. People are giving that out in a single day. So just because the amount of money is multiplied, it doesn't mean the headache has to be multiplied as well. The Donors Fund. That is what charity giving should be in 2024 and beyond. So have your checks ready to go. You can have them pre-printed. No more sitting and writing checks. You can actually get involved in the dancing and enjoy the day while giving. So thedonorsfund.org slash kosher money. Links in the show notes. It's a free account. This is free. Join the thousands of people who have already made the move and have yourself an even more Freilchen Parham. Now back to this week's episode. People rip on the American millennial who are always playing the victim card, that it's not fair, the previous generation, they needed less money to buy a house, and they just go through life as the victim, and then those who break out of it are the ones who are successful, which is what you're speaking about. That's a very long conversation for itself, but playing the victim card is never a good idea, regardless if it's with money, regardless if it's shalom bias, regardless if it's education with the kids, regardless if how successful you are in your life in general. The victim card never works. Look at Klaalisol. We came out after a holocaust. We could have played the victim card for hundreds and hundreds of years. And most Yidin that came out to America, or to Israel, or to Europe, put away the side of the victim card, and they decided instead of sitting and blaming everyone, they started from fresh. And look what we became after less than 100 years. We all remember, I mean, at least my age and even younger, people who went through the Holocaust, people who lived and had everything in life, had success in their life, had businesses, had houses, and lost everything in their life. And they started from fresh. And that is the success of Klal Yisrael, Am Yisrael Chai, those who are chased us for thousands of thousands of years are vanished and gone. And we are here. Why? Because we did not play the victim card. This message, don't play the victim card, works. Those people who play the victim card should know. Blaming is, never works. I said it in my previous uh, episode with, with Yaakov, that when I came to America, I was orphan. I was often since the age of 10. I did not have parents here. I did not have in-laws here. I didn't have anybody here. I couldn't even speak English. I couldn't speak a, a single word, nothing. And my first month, I paid the rent. My first month, I paid my groceries. You know why? Because I didn't have anybody to, to pay it. And I had no choice. I went out and I fought it and I, I learned the language. 
as the best the best I can. And I never complained. Never complained. If you're looking to complain and play the victim cards, you will get nowhere in life. I'm busy right now with many cases with people that are separated for years and they do not want to give gets to their wives, right? So one of the per people that I'm talking with, he claims all kinds of claims, and I keep on telling him, you know, you're right. But on your Matseva, after you're 120, they're going to write. Here is buried somebody who was right. But that's it. You had a miserable life, blaming everybody. You're right. But where does it take you to be right? Be smart. Don't be right. Get rid of it. Finished. And unfortunately, people who blame the victim cards end up very bad. You mentioned how Hasidim are involved in so many different industries. There's this mentality of rolling up the sleeves, right? Taking the Bekisha off putting it on, rolling up the sleeves and being busy, right? If if I have to go to China to open up a factory, I'm going to do it. Where, where does this mentality come from within in, in the Hasidic circles? Because financial literacy is is not something that's, you know, taught. Correct. And, and we, can, we can go into that. But yet that doesn't always, and this is, I guess, a message for the American government, you know, because they go after the schools and they say you have to know the the biology and the curriculum and maybe some of it's important. But where, where does this mentality come from that whatever needs to get done, we're going to do it, we're going to try much more than than what you would see in the average American? I really believe that this comes from the attitude that we put in to the children that we put in in every single child, you can do it. I have a daughter who's 15 and a half, right? She comes home from school and she has the pressure. Am I going to fail this test? And I keep on telling you, you have to try to do your best. And if you're going to try to do your best, believe that you could do your best, you will do your best. I have a friend, and it just came to my head, that I reminded myself, he worked in a pizza shop as a mashgir. And there's a sushi guy there. And every day, people came in, took platters, and, and he decided he's going into the sushi business. Achsidish guy, you, ca you can't believe Achsidish. It's unbelievable. He goes with, with black socks in the middle of the week all the way, with a gartel in the street, you know. He wouldn't take out the garbage from his house without a gartel. Mm -hmm. He goes into the sushi business. So, first of all, kosher sushi. And he advertised himself. After six, seven months, I asked him, how's it going? He said, forget about it. I, I dropped uh, the kosher business. What do you mean? Everything I sell is kosher, he tells me. But I decided only he needs sushi. Sushi is not a Jewish, uh, Jewish food. It only became lately a Jewish food. I'm going to go reach out to, every, to other communities, to Goetia communities. He went out to all kinds of law offices and all kinds of doctor offices. He, he went out to corporate offices, basically. I cannot even tell you, this guy is Kanaanahara. Very, very, very successful today. He has a huge huge kitchen today and thousands of platters of sushi go out a day a day not from eating he makes money makes a lot of money and he just took the courage okay sushi does not belong to us and i'm gonna go out where is it coming from believing in yourself self-confidence love it so let, let's talk about financial literacy someone who goes out and starts building a business they have the drive, but maybe not the education. Does that hurt people sometimes within the Hasidic community, not, not knowing how a, potentially a credit card works or credit scores, um, lending their credit score to somebody else without realizing what they're doing in the sense that they open a credit card in someone else's name? You know, people can run into issues. Is that happening? And what's being done to potentially address that? Answer is yes, it's definitely happening. And if you're going to sit just blind and say that that people who did not have the education in business because they didn't take the classes the same way as others know, the only answer to that is to prevent it and to make it work is delegate. Take a person like me. I delegate. What do you mean delegate? Every business has to have trust and managers, and workers, and professionals. The same way as you don't file your own tax return, you give it to an accountant. Everyone legally in America can go online and file their own taxes. 
but you still go out and you pay an account. You know why? Because you trust that he's a professional. Same way as I'm not going to make my own glasses and I'm gonna, not going to sue my own suit. Same thing as in business. You need to delegate. You need to give to professionals. You cannot do everything yourself. So the same way as I have the confidence to do what I believe that I do know, you have to know what you don't know and what you do know. And what you don't know, you delegate. That's the answer. Is networking happening a lot where if you don't have somebody, you have a, a pool of friends that you go to and say, hey, I need help with this. And they say, oh, I know somebody that you can speak to. Is that happening a lot within the Hasidic circles where referrals? Absolutely. So first of all, there's a lot of organizations today. There's a lot of organizations who basically help people starting businesses, not only to the Hasidic community, in every community. Uh, there's an organization called PEI, it's called Paiseh Hasidecha, which is a organization that if you plan to open a business, you come and you present it to them, and they give you an interest-free loan. It depends on who you give your collateral, obviously, trust the people. They ask for, for a resume of you, your family, your rabbi, your parents, and I took from them money and yeah, pay them back, obviously, and, and they helped me. So what's, is WhatsApp big in, in the Hasidic community where people are... WhatsApp you're talking about? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> WhatsApp is a Jewish app, you know? <laughs> it, right? I, I talk to my Goyesh friends. They have no clue what WhatsApp right. is. Yeah. Right. I have a very popular WhatsApp uh, status. And yeah. I have about between six and 7,000 followers every day. Wow. And uh, it brings a lot of business as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And it, by the way, it does tremendous chesed. It's it's mind-boggling what WhatsApp is doing. I mean, somebody's losing something. I mean, I had a girl called me up last year, Erev Pesach. At all situations, she was a caller, and she told me there was two hours before this month, Erev Pesach, when people don't have too much time to look at the status. And she told me, basically, she is upstate, and she has nowhere to be Pesach. And I posted it in my status. Two hours before this month. It's mind-boggling how many people responded from that Muncie, Monroe New Square. Now they come to me. Now they come to me. Wow. And she went to her family. Wow. She, she was, yeah. Yeah, it makes the world smaller. Everyone's Absolutely. connected. Absolutely. And when you throw the Jewish thoughts of being kind and helping another, it just makes it so much easier, right? It's, un it's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know if you... I'm going to send it to you. I did a clip a couple of uh, years ago, the day of the Reb Shailas Yotzeit, how I'm standing in a grocery and davening, and it basically created a movement that people should go into the groceries instead of going to Reb Shailas. Reb Shailas thing was to give food for people every day. Go into the grocery and put money on people who don't have. And it created a huge movement of people going into groceries and just basically paying the bills. It's unbelievable how much money came into grocery stores paying people balances or putting money towards credit in that particular week. I'm talking about in the hundreds, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. I put it on WhatsApp and I got a phone call from somebody in Mexico. He says, I want you to give, he gave $50,000 wow. to different groceries. Someone you didn't even know. I hadn't. Came, it didn't even speak Yiddish, uh -huh. but somebody translated and what wow. it means, and it became. Wow. So you mentioned Kala. Let's talk about Simchas for a second. Well, I'm, I'm not even going to ask a question. You can just go. <laughs> Simchas is a very happy moment in, the, in Jewish life. But unfortunately, it is completely, completely out of hand. I cannot even say completely out of hand enough times. And I'm going to give you just my thoughts, what should be done about it, what can be done about it. And it's a very big problem. A lot of people are very successful in business, as I said till now. But there's a huge, huge percentage in Jewish community, in the Frum community, when I'm talking about Frum community, I'm talking about everyone included that are workers. What does a good worker make a year? 100 grand? 150? Let's say he's lucky he's making 200. 250. Let's say he's making 300. When you have a house with six plus kids, 
seven plus kids, eight plus kids, which most Hasidim and Litvish Oilem has, it's nothing. It's nothing. After putting food on the table, after paying your tuition, after just car expenses, taxes, you're left with nothing. When it comes to Simchas, and let's talk particularly about Chasanas now, it is completely, doesn't, doesn't make sense, doesn't add up. When a person makes Chasana, every year a child, or let's say even in the more modern community, when you make every two years a child, they're broke. Somebody who's working is broke. A Chasana today is minimum, minimum, $120,000 Okay? And this is a big why. A very big why. So the biggest problem in the Litvisha community and in the modern community is they don't even have the opportunity or way to make a chasna cheaper. Bachasidim, they do have the opportunity. And people who want to make cheaper chasnas can make cheaper chasnas. And I'm going to elaborate on it that you should understand. I made chasna my son a year ago. The night of the wedding, which means the hall, the catering, the musician, singer, batchen, flowers, and photographer, costed me and my mechutten together $10,000. You had one flower? No, we had a lot of flowers. It sounds laughable, right? How is it possible? What's the trick? Yes, $10,000. So, the chasna was in a hall in Barapa called Kerem Menachem, a gorgeous hall. Walk in the 54 corner for Hamilton, state-of-the-art modern hall. Really, really gorgeous hall. Nice and big. 125 couples, okay, included. Obviously, they don't give you rib steak. They give you chicken. They give you... No one who ever ate but that wedding ran out hungry, okay? Now, I could afford much more. I did it because I like the publicity to be honest, in a good way. So people learn, oh, Johannes Schwartz could do it, I could do it too. And it really did a lot of awareness because all the newspapers were about it. Look, even Johannes Schwartz did it. If Johannes Schwartz did it, I could do it too. So first of all, the musician, DJ, I promise you if you were to walk in there and you would have danced, you wouldn't look. You would never know. It sounds the same. It's a great sound system. So DJ, right here, a musician. Singer, the DJ sings as well. Okay? Batchen, they, they give somebody a guarantee that you're going to make 50 to 100 chasnas a year. And you give them a certain price, $500, $700, instead of $1,800, $2,000, $2,500, right? Photographer, there are plenty of photographers who are not as successful as the big brand name. And it's good enough. How many times did you look at your pictures after the chasana? I didn't even make the album yet. Oh, okay. Good. Like thousands of others. And what is the starting package by photography today in most weddings? Between ten dollars and $15,000 starting package. So, now, in Monroe, for example, in Monroe, New York, they have a whole $7,000. Everything I mentioned to you now, for $7,000. Both sides. $3,500 one side, $3,500 other side. Let me give you a perfect example. Furniture. Furniture, when you walk into the classic furniture stores, okay, you pay between twenty-five dollars and $35,000. And I'm asking a very simple question. A father who has 10 children has to buy 10 sets of furniture. Why? Why cannot each person buy one pair of furniture? I got married. I buy my furniture. My brother is going to get married. My sister is going to get married. They're going to buy their, their furniture. Why does somebody who works $150,000, a year. He can barely make ends meet. Why does he have to buy 10 pieces of furniture in his life? Let everyone buy one piece of furniture in their lifetime. I have a friend who just made it off. His son told him, Tati, I don't want you to buy furniture. I'm going to go to Ikea. I'm going to buy furniture. And he bought furniture for $2,500, $3,500, something like that. He got payments 18 months, no interest. And he's happy. And I know a lot of people who did it. Why does a person dance at his own child's chasana, but when he finishes the chasana, he has huge agmas and pain. How am I going to pay? 
I know a rabbi called me up. I'm talking a lot about it on, on status on WhatsApp. A rabbi called me up that he has a, a, a congregant in his, his shul that he realizes this five, six weeks that he doesn't come to Davin and called him up. He says, I, I can't show my face in shul. I married off three kids in the last three years and I borrowed money from this and every morning I come and no, no, when you're going to pay me back, when you're going to pay me back. He needs to buy food. He doesn't have it. So it's a very big problem. The problem is in the Litfisher community and in the modern community that if somebody wants to make a cheaper wedding, he does not have the opportunity where the real Gvirim and Klaleswal that are making real differences in so many issues. And I do it and I say it with a lot of credit and maybe they didn't think about it. If it's Louis China, if it's Rechnitz from Los Angeles or all the other special people. And, and again, each and every one should be blessed with all the brachas. They do tremendous work. The rich people from the Chesidish community got together and they made wedding halls. They made something that's called a chasana mall. Basically, where they're going in, in one place, buying everything for that wedding, and it's way, way, way cheaper. Now, I'm not coming here to revolutionize the way that rich people should make chasana. I really believe that a rich person really has a lot of money, does not have to make chasana like the poor person or like the middle class person. We don't have the power, the Torah authority does not have the power today to tell the rich person you cannot make a chasna just like this. Because in the olden days there was. There was such a thing called Vad Abarotzes, if you know what that means. That all the Rabbonin from Poland, from, from Hungary got together and they made very strong rules and regulations for rich people as well. But no one, no one has the power to do it today. So the rich people does really have money. Make any chasna you want. Again, even though I don't believe in it because it's raising the standard. And don't forget that we are the only community in the entire world that rich and poor and middle class live in the same block. If you go in any neighborhood in America, you go down to Long Island, you know rich people live over here. You go in Brooklyn, in certain parts, you know the rich people live over there. You go in Williamsburg, Barpak, Muncie, Monroe, New Square, or even here in Five Towns, you could have a middle class, a poor person, and the rich person live in the same block, and they go to the same school. And when you give to your daughter a Michelle watch, but 10 years old or about 12 years old, what but the Hasidim Akala gets when she... For engage, a lot of them get for engagement, especially in Europe. What do you expect for this poor child? She also wants a Michelle Wash. So basically, it's raising the standards. So it's a problem. You cannot fix it. It all starts with education, teaching the kids, I can afford, I cannot afford, be happy with what you have. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. But making such weddings that middle class in this community is making is just going to go bust. Don't forget, families are getting larger and larger. You have life expectancy is bigger. We get married younger. And suddenly, when there's two sides of room families, before you know it, you have 150 couples. By the Hasidim, forget about it. You have sometimes people, I mean, with 11, 12, 15 kids. Could you imagine the next generation? It's, it's, it's a very big problem. A short, cool break from this week's episode to tell you about the weather. The weather? Yes, the weather. Warmer months are ahead, and that's the perfect segue into Twillery's ear suit. You see, I'm wearing the blazer. It comes with matching pants. But you know when you're wearing a traditional suit and it's kind of hot outside, you begin to sweat. Those days are gone with the Twillery Air Suit. They have this cooling mesh fabric that's commonly found in sportswear, and it's upscaled, retailered for use in this air suit. So it functions like their other suits and blazers. It has that extreme stretch, comfort, no wrinkles, plenty of pockets, and it's machine washable. So if you are dry cleaners, turn this off. This is not for you. But if you hate paying money, and you want suits in different colors, lengths, long, short, regular, variety of sizes, and you want free shipping and returns, I have some good news for you. Promo code CHAI, C-H-A-I. That's $18 in Hebrew, twillery.com slash kosher money. No reason you can't be comfortable, relaxed, cool during the summer and spring months. You're welcome. 
Twillery.com slash kosher money, promo code chai. They're pretty amazing. Lots of colors, by the way. Okay, cool. Now back to this week's episode. People listening who aren't familiar with um, Jewish weddings, they think that the wedding you're describing is seven nights long, right? We're talking here one one night, right? Yeah. Four hours. I, I, I mean, I, I could show you after we finish the show. I, I have on my WhatsApp a father who called me up and we communicated. He was literally sobbing, sobbing, crying that his daughter needs a gun for 14 thousand dollars please explain to me why does a girl even have think of a gun of fourteen thousand dollars explain to me why my daughter-in-law who got married last year had a gun for three hundred dollars just to fix took a gun from the gmach we have gmachs all over america for guns why does a caller need a gun for fourteen and even for eight thousand even for even for five thousand your father doesn't have it now most girls work today, a year, two, three. If you want to buy with your own money, again, I think it's wrong because you're raising the standards. But going to your father, going to your mother, they're hardly making ends meet. Why? It's a, it's a very big problem. Let me give you a lot of examples. Photography. The colors are coming today to the hall at 12, 1 o'clock. So they have to go to the makeup artist 9 o'clock in the morning already. Mm-hmm. Forget about the makeup artist, which is costing today thousands and thousands of dollars. I made Hasana. My wife went to a makeup artist at home, somebody's house. And again, I want to tell you something. I really let my wife do whatever she wanted. She, she has a respect for money. And she charged $100. So you don't have whole, all night long a makeup artist just standing right there. Come here, I'll paint you here, I'll paint you there. She doesn't have it. Photographer, the same thing. They bring for five, six hours, colors stand like this, and stand like this, and stand like this, and stand like this. And most people you would ask, they don't even have a chance to look at the wedding pictures, or they didn't even finish the albums. And before you know it, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. Why? Now somebody who has it, fine. But how many people don't? They don't. It's schrecklich. And they don't have the opportunity, if they want to make a wedding for cheaper, that they should entice them. That's what I'm talking to the real Gvirim of Klalisol. You can make a difference. Make a hall. Like in Israel, they have halls today. Three floors. Every single night, three weddings. At almost cost. Why? Because some Gvirim got together and they make sure it's breaking even and the rest is fundraising. But between me and you, most working families, but the third child, and I have the statistics, after it comes to the third child, people are going to collect Agnosis Kala. Why? Because they need to buy furniture, they need to go to a photographer, they need to have a makeup artist, and etc. etc. Gifts, presents. Can you tell me one girl, one girl that knows what a CZ stone looks like and a diamond looks like? No one does. No one. Give it to, give me anyone. Give me a real diamond and a CZ stone or a lab grown stone. Colors are getting today jewelry for twenty-five to thirty-five thousand dollars. Why? Why? What did they accomplish in life to deserve jewelry for thirty-five thousand dollars? Just because you're a color? I mean, I understand the Torah tells us give, give, give jewelry. Yes, it's important. Yes, but a limit, a limit. And everyone says, "Has it only once in a lifetime?" First of all, I wish it's only once in a lifetime. Unfortunately, this is a separate conversation. If you would be happy for five years and you go after five years, you know, we're celebrating anniversary of five years for happiness, you're making a chasana, I understand. But every chasana today, between me and you, at the divorce rate that we have, why would you even go out and spend $150,000, $200,000 a night? Yes, we have betochen in a minute. Have betochen in a minute. Yeah, that's not called betochen in a minute. If you have betochen in a minute, let me tell you something. I just remind it. Look in the Kliyoko, or Zarishan. Zarishan. Parshas Devorim. It says, Pnu Lochem Tzafoyno. I don't even want to say what it says over there. But it particularly talks about this bit. Don't show off. Why do you need to show off? Let me give you an example. You know what the Vachnacht is, right? Oh, I heard they're, they're quite extravagant these days in certain circles. Go in Lakewood. Yeah. In Lakewood. Most people in Lakewood, B'nai Torah, Koyling Rad, make a Vachnacht. You come, you say Kriyashma, you're getting two nash for your kids or three, whatever, five, you go home. 
That's that's what I saw growing up. Exactly. That's what we all grew up. And the baby's fine with it. The baby's totally fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> and it became such a... The rich guy started it. Then the next... What's little... going on? It, it, it's, it's many thousands of dollars, right? It's, it's a huge I mean, event. It's, it's endless. It's endless. Some people do a wachtdag today for 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. And some people do for 50,000, 60,000. What's there? 000. Meals and waiters? Meals and waiters and party planners. And one of the most complaining comments that I get when I talk about it, you're ruining Yiddish Pranosis. But I'm ruining Yiddish Pranosis. Why? Because so many people are making Pranos of it. I understand. I understand. But if you make a Pranosa, where it's an even, even enjoyment, which means I sell you a product, you enjoy that particular product for many, many years. Yes, I'm for it. Absolutely. But when I make panosa and the other guy is going to bleed in pain, be pained for it, just because somebody else does it, I have a problem with it. And believe me, the reason why we make panosa of it is because it's supply and demand. If there would not be a demand for it, such a demand, these people would go out and look for different panosa, just as my friend who went out and did a sushi business worldwide. We are stuck that I have to be making money in this community. Why? Why would you go make money from people that have to go collect for it? And that's a very big problem. In Eretz Yisrael, part of the deal when a girl gets married is they have to give them an apartment as well. Long, long gone. That's not a thing anymore? No one gives apartments anymore. No one. Only the very, very well-to-do. Nobody gives up. How can they do give apartments? No one. Why is that not a thing anymore? Because, because it's too expensive. Because they just can't expect. They, they can't afford it. What I do have in Israel, and this is something fascinating, yeah. and this is an idea that if this could be implemented to help Klalisol, it's going to be tremendous. And again, here's my call for the, for the real Ashiram and Klalisol to, to do it. So for example... There's certain communities in Israel that you will never see them come here for Chnosa Scala. Never. Let me give you an example. Geri Hasidim. You will never see him come collect. Why? Because they established a gemach that everyone that makes a chasana according to the rules and regulations of that particular kehila, you get a loan for this entire chasana, let's say $30,000, $35,000 to pay out for years. Super easy payments. How do they do it? So a lot of people put in money there. 10,000, 50,000, 100,000. It became a very big pot. And most people will start paying into that pot before they even make chasana. Five years earlier, 10 years earlier, $100 a month, $100 a month. And suddenly when they come to make a chasana, they get a loan that they could be paying in so many years and that makes so much easier. Why should I go out and collect money? But there's a rule. You want to get the gemach? No problem. Here's the rules. You make chasana here. You buy furniture here. You buy presents here. And that helps a lot. So if there would be a big pot over here, and there would be an opportunity, like we have, as I told you before, Kerem Menachem and Baba when I met chasana, or like they have in Monroe, or like they have in Uskri, and it's, in Williamsburg alone, they have now four such halls. But a night of a chasna is costing in the range of $10,000 for both sides. And, and this needs to be implemented. Kedayashim, very big problem as well. Shalom Zucha. Everyone that comes to a Shalom Zucha today comes from a Shabbos meal. A Shabbos meal today, everybody had the sourdough, the hummus, the tahina, the koslo, and then the dips. Everyone has at the Shabbos table, six to eight dips, and sushi, and plat, and everything. They're not coming hungry. Nobody's coming hungry. You're coming to a Shalom Zucha? And you see food. Why? Why? Wasted money. And most of them are Yingalite, young couples who don't have the money. Just start to give me the money because everyone does. That's a problem. Ashiram and the rich people aside, what part of the solution is people without kids or young kids educating their children as they grow up to? not want to chase the $35,000 diamond 
to be okay with a Wachnach that costs $500 instead of $5,000. And it might take a little bit longer, right? Because these children have to grow up. But do you see that as part of the longer term solution? Education is the key. Education is the key. We are living such a society that whatever the kids want in a blink of an eye. And there's a very famous uh, T-shirt uh, or and babies, when when mommy says no, call Bobby. Yeah, it's a sad joke, but the fact of the matter is, kids are getting everything today, everything in a blink of an eye. And if it doesn't happen in a blink of an eye, they just start crying and blowing, and, and they get it. So definitely, it's education, education in the schools. For example, there are many schools in the Chassidish community that you cannot bring nash for lunch. There is nash that the school will give out, or they have rules of what you could bring. But if a child today goes in school, and you see it all over, they make a stop at the local supermarket, and they're just buying, <sighs> forget about it, all the sour sticks and candy and paintbrush, forget about it. We, we, we didn't take in in a lifetime when we were kids, but they take in a day. I remember my mother used to take an orange for Rosh Chodesh. We used to get an orange divided for six kids. Or we call it a scramble egg was once a week. There was value. There's no value for money. And we grow up today with absolutely no value. And that is why it needs to be a huge fundamental change between the parents, the community, and help the people who want to live a lower standard, that they should have the ability. Right now, they don't have the ability. Let's switch gears for a minute. Talk about technology, right? In the Hasidic circles, less people have smartphones. It exists in some circles. In some circles, they have the, the kosher phones with WhatsApp and limited email. And some are on flip phones. Thousands. Do you know people that are successful in business that all they have is a flip phone? Let's enlighten people because, right, we're talking to, to people across the world, right? They're, they're watching on their iPad, a big smart TV. Is it possible to be successful without the distraction of a smartphone? I'm going to give you a name that's going to that's gonna mind blow you. Have you ever heard of a company called B&H Photo? Yes, Manhattan. Manhattan. You know the owners, right? couple of partners, right? Two partners. I mean, yes. I, I, I don't know them personally. I, I do know them personally, two of them. Two of them. One of them, I know for sure, that doesn't know how to send a text message. It does not know how to send a text message. The only thing that he could do with his flip phone is call and receive a call. That's it. Never in his life he sent a text. The second one, probably two. Okay? There are hundreds and thousands of people who do not have WhatsApp, who do not co communicate with technology, what you just mentioned, and they are very, very successful. Now, should I tell you, go, everybody throw it? No, no. I also have a smartphone, and I communicate with technology, and I need it, but don't say that the key to success isn't this. People were successful before the smartphone, and they're successful after the smartphone. It's a tool, yes, but it's a tool for destruction as well. So, Use it smart. That's it. We'll be right back to our Kosher Money episode, though I want to first tell you about Sima Shmueli and her four children. Where are they? They've been staying in a small Tel Aviv hotel room for over four months, and they've had enough. They want out. She's ready to risk going home despite the shelling by Hezbollah, despite the sirens going off at all hours of the day and night in her hometown, and despite the fact that her husband a reserve officer in the Israeli army, is away in Gaza fighting Hamas. Sima and her kids are just one of 16,000 families that are now heading home to their ravaged communities in Israel's northern and southern borders. They were forced to flee after October 7th, becoming refugees in their own country. And these refugees are returning home to neglected apartments, empty refrigerators, and to the inevitable damage that happens when you run for your life and forget to shut the windows. Home sweet home, no. More like home bitter sweet home. And Kol Chabad is stepping up to the plate 
to help the families restock their pantries, purchase the necessary cleaning supplies, and repair damages sustained in the attacks of October 7. Plus, there's no husband and father in many cases to help with the work and the bills. So give what you can, literally any amount, to help Sima and families just like hers build back their home. Kolchabad.org slash kosher money. Link is in the show notes. Give whatever you can, and God bless you. Now back to this week's episode. As I grow up, I find that I enjoy Shabbos more and more. It's a time to turn off the smartphone. I find myself smartest, ironically, on Shabbos when I don't have the smartphone. Do you find similar menucha as you've gotten older? Shabbos, peace and quiet, no business. You're running a, a, a massive toy business. People are reaching out to you. I know this is not a money-specific question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on Shabbos. Can Kiddush. I ask you a question? Yeah. How many people are already nervous, Matzah Shabbos, when they go home, just because they're rushing to see the messages and the emails and the... Yeah. Yes. How many people are nervous today because of the war in Israel and everything and everything? And they keep on checking. The, I was last week in Israel. And I do a lot of business there. And I met two friends of mine that I do business with them. And I was flabbergasted to see how they sit in the office, calm, relaxed, in Yerushalayim. And I said, do you know that there's a war? Besides what they say, Achenu after Mincha, nothing. They never turn on the news. They never look at the news. Once a week, they take the newspapers like we used to have in the old days. They're happy, calm. It's a pchina, it's a, like, Yom Shekula Shabbos. It's no question about it that people who turn off their phone have a calmer life. No question about it. Now you could throw it away. No, you can't. But at least know your boundaries. Know when you use it and when you don't use it. And of course, when you have three days Yom Tov, you survive. You survive. What's a question I didn't ask Rabbi Anderson Schwartz that I should have asked Rabbi Anderson Schwartz? Oh, many, many things. But one of the things that I would like to add is a very simple statement said by many comedians. It's not my quote. It's a very famous quote. People spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't care. Remember that. Don't think I have to because everyone does it. That's the biggest hate on Miraglim, as the Kotzkerebis used to tell us, and everyone. Caring what other people are going to say, trust me, I go on Hasanas and I have seen the most lavish, crazy Hasanas you've ever imagined in your life. And most of this Hasanas, most of the chassas that is overdone, people laugh at the Mechatona. People say, this guy's nuts. What is he doing? Who are you trying to impress? So don't try to impress people just because you think they're going to say, no, no, no. Behind your back, another guy goes to the rabbi and he says that, that uh, he was davening for the moment and, 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 and he felt like such a connection with the crowd and this. So the rabbi told him, you should turn around. You should see what connection you have. You know, it's, everybody was laughing. You're singing there. You think everybody's, that's like when you're davening for the home and you think everybody's behind you is enjoying it. And that's why you're slapping. Don't. Turn around. Same thing is here. Don't, don't try to impress. Work with what you have. And when you work with what you have, you are going to be a happy person. That's the key. That's the key. The advertisement that we have today in the papers are so tempting. Look what the other guy has. All they do today, nothing, no talking. They will put an advertisement, just somebody looking at this watch and this brand. And you think this guy who has this brand, is a, there's a brand of shirts, uh, I think with a crocodile. I'm not into brands, so I don't know. And one of the times I saw is because he has a crocodile shirt. You understand? They're brainwashing us. And again, it's business. I understand. But know your boundaries. Know what you can. Know what you can't. And grow up that the kids don't need everything. I, I stand in a toy store. And sometimes it bothers me. I see parents are walking in. Oh, sure, take. Yeah, and of course, I'm happy. By the register, I'm happy. But I'm thinking, never. This child, what, what is he going to grow up? 
Telling a child, yes, 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 yes. You give a child a lolly, a lolly again, another piece of cake. What's going to happen to him in 15, 20 minutes? His stomach is going to hurt and he's going to be in pain and he's going to grow up with all this MSG and poison that he has in, inside him. And he's happy for five minutes. The same thing is with all the other things that you're stuffing your child and he grows up. He's going to have a huge stomach ache. It's not a stomach ache, but it's a brain ache. But child's going to be messed up. Don't show off. Remember what Yaakov Avinu told his kids. When you go to Mitzrayim, go from 10 different gates. Why? Don't show off. Showing off is one of the biggest... You know what we forgot to mention? Very important point. COVID. COVID. If I would tell you today that there's a nukzeira, that we have to make chasnas only for 50 people, and no photographers, and no this, and no, you have to finish by 10 o'clock, everybody would jump. You're crazy. You can't do that. But for a full year, almost two years, we lived like that. Have you, anybody complained? Happy couples, having kids, Baksham already. They live beautiful, nothing happened. Imagine today we would say, go back to COVID. No, 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 I can't. Why can't? I mean, I'm not trying to do it, but I'm just the concept. When people know that there's a boundary, you can't go bigger than this, they're happy. It's just because you can, that's why you let go and just, no, no boundaries, no control. Have control. And when you have control, you're not only controlling yourself, you put a tremendous boundary on the entire community around you. Everybody's looking up. Look, this guy could afford it. And he made a simple chasana because he wants to teach everybody you can make a simple chasana. You can make a simple kiddush. You can make a simple shalom zuchah. And that's very important that people should understand that I don't have to be like others. Beautiful. If someone has a follow-up question for you, should they email you? Should they call you? What let, me, they let me give you an email, which is always easy. Yeah, go ahead. Very easy email, 232-8655 at gmail.com. Wow. We Spe- don't usually get the number email addresses, yeah, right? Yeah, it's especially for, for a, lot, have a lot of Israelis call me up and yeah? they, they, they oh. ask for the ABC, so it's very hard for them. So that's, Oh, that's smart. Yeah. That's smart. In, in, Intuitive two three two eight six five five at gmail.com. Yep. Wonderful. Schwartz, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's gonna be a crowd favorite. Thank you so much. It was nice talking to you. Likewise. Bam ba bam. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Kosher Money. I enjoyed that episode very much with Rabianis and Schwartz. And we have another exciting episode coming to you in a couple of weeks. We went through the business journey of somebody who manages a very multi, multi, multi million dollar corporation, a from guy, really insightful. I don't want to give too much away, but be on the lookout for that. Thank you to our friends at Twillery, Kolal Chabad, in which you can donate to via your donors fund account. You see how I did that? Thank you to our friends at Living Smarter Jewish. More and more people are reaching out, so don't be ashamed. If you're in debt, if you need a financial advisor, if you don't know how to set up a 401k IRA, or if you just have a question about your credit score, anything that has to do with finance, livingsmarterjewish.org. You don't even have to go to the website. I'll give you the email address, info at livingsmarterjewish.org. Email them. They'll set up an intro call just to learn about everything. Sometimes people reach out to them. Hey, I need help with the credit score. And then they have a conversation with them and they realize that they actually could use help in ways they didn't even think. So livingsmarterjewish.org, reach out, tell them your friends at Kosher Money sent you, and you'll be well on your way to a better financial future. Thank you to everyone at Living L'Chaim, an amazing team. We also release shorts on Instagram and other social platforms. So if you know somebody that doesn't have the attention span to listen to an entire episode, me, I don't really listen to podcasts, but the fact that you guys listen is important. So that's why I'm sharing this. But sometimes people want more digestible content. You can go to um, Instagram, Kosher Money Pod, and consume content there as well. Um, we're really gearing up. We did a whole episode on taxes and we're doing some career journey type episodes. But if you have a suggestion, a guest suggestion, if you have a topic suggestion, we want to do one on kosher groceries. So we're working through that. Hit us up, livinglachayim.com. Click on the suggestion tab and share your thoughts. If you want to sponsor an episode, we're kind of maxed out on the kosher money side, but we are working on some really cool sponsorship opportunities. So if you have a business, a message, um, something you want to get out there, hit us up. And now time for the bonus tip. 
Um, this one is not so much money related, but it is important. So some of you over the last year may have gone for your annual physical, and that is great. But some of you have been pushing that off, right? I'm a healthy 25 year old. I'm a healthy 41 year old. I don't need to go. Chances are you are healthy, but it is important that you go for a physical anyway. You may not know who a doctor could be, right? You haven't gone to a doctor in 17 years or pediatrician will not see you anymore. Just go to your shul chat, say, hey, can someone PM me a local physician that can do an annual physical? Doesn't have to be an appointment in a week from now. You can do it in two, three months, but get something on the schedule, get it into your routine. Once a year you go, um, they take some blood and it's the mature thing to do. So we talk a lot about money, but you owe it to yourself, your family to make sure that you're healthy and you stay ahead of things so that if God forbid anything does pop up, you're way ahead of it. And that is my tip for you, okay? Not everything's about money, bro. Sometimes there's more important things than money. And with that, we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Living L'chaim.